Isn't it interesting how a song creates a vibe and then a release? It makes you want to travel. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I was listening to The Doors and I love the Beatles and I love the Stones and I'm not jacking the jacking them or talking shit, but there's there's very there's a different kind of energy when you listen to the doors and those of you who listen to the doors know what i'm talking about because it's a freedom it's a release they have such a vast catalog that you can actually go and search for different songs where with the beatles we all know the hits but with the with the doors they made albums they made albums from start to finish and I was listening to I'd gotten it for Christmas from a friend of mine I think it was the Waiting for the Sun album what's funny about that is Waiting for the Sun isn't even on the album because it's on the next album see I know that history about the doors and I was listening to Spanish Caravan and that song is so Magical. That's that's the thing about the doors. Everyone has said this about the doors. Macy Gray, um, who else? Uh, even Snoop Dogg, Perry Farrell of uh, uh, Jane's Addiction too. There is a magic to the doors music that other bands don't have because it was so fresh. But at the same time, it was so raw and bluesy. I mean, they took, what is it? They took that Whiskey Bar song that was originally, I think, a German opera. And they, and they pumped it up. But, and, and, and I, I'm such a Doors fan that I, I take offense to certain, like one time I was watching, I, I, I love Linda Ronstadt. Who, who doesn't love Linda Ronstadt? And she said something not very nice. Oh, the Doors would be really good if they had gotten rid of their singer. And I thought, that's a fucked up thing to say. Okay. Because it's not always about perfection. It's not. And Jim Morrison could croon. And he could rock out. That's the difference between him and other musicians. We talk about the front man. With Jim Morrison, it was the shaman. And the, the Doors, the Doors really were a band. Because you don't have it without Ray Manzarek. You don't have it without Robbie Krieger. You don't have it without John Densmore. And you most certainly don't have it without Jim Morrison. So they were these four equal parts. And yes, people paid attention to Jim. But... For me and those of us who are truly Doors aficionados, we know you don't have it without Ray Manzarek. Ray Manzarek and Jim Morrison, these two meeting of minds. The blues, the obscene, because Jim Morrison loved the obscene. He also loved uh, Rambo and uh, uh, William Blake and... Yeah, he loved the madness of things. And Ray Manzarek loved the blues. And Ray Manzarek 
borrowed so much for so many of those Doors songs. I mean, you think of um, like he was. They were doing a classic album series, and he was and he and he, you know, took a little bit from Ray Charles. What's my name? And um, that piano, bass, organ. Oh my god! Oh my god! Nobody could do it like Ray Manzarek. So when we talk about the Doors, it's not just about the front person. It's about Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, and John Densmore. Because they are these virtuosos. And also, let's not forget, who wrote Light My Fire? Robbie Krieger. That was the first song he ever wrote. And it went to number one. I mean, yeah, it's not always about the charts, but at that moment, this dark band from Los Angeles, California erupts into the into the stratosphere and they go to number one with their first hit. Yeah. It's it's a that's why they are magical. And I was doing this because everyone has an opinion on the Oliver Stone movie. Some of us like it. Some of us don't. I don't like it, and here's why. Because it painted an un, an unrealistic portrait of Jim Morrison. Yeah, uh, uh, Val Kilmer is great. Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday as gold. I'm your Huckleberry. Well, John Ringo, you look like somebody just walked all over your grave. But... Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. Where, when were you born, Jim? I don't know. It must have happened during one of my blackouts. Okay. There are so many things wrong with the Doors film. They, it, there's just so many. And I, and I don't want to go any further because I'll know I'll hurt some feelings. Because I know people who love that movie, including... Oliver Stone. I don't like that movie. I just don't. And it's nothing against Val Kilmer. It's just kind of like, what kind of shit were you trying to do? And the surviving doors, I think maybe one or two of them had something to do with the, they like appeared in the film and that was it. But Ray Manzarek distanced himself from that film. First and foremost, because that, that's his friend. That's his brother in music. James Douglas Morrison. That is a very unflattering, or I shouldn't say that because rock and roll is not supposed to be flattering. That's a very unhumanistic portrait of James Douglas Morrison. And the singing's okay. And yeah, yeah, there's a thrill when they're doing the end and he does the Oedipus complex and he says, fuck. Because at that time, you didn't say that in music. In fact, that's how the MC5 got censored. The MC5 kicks out that song, kick out the jams, with, kick out the jams, motherfuckers. And you couldn't say that on the radio. I mean, now, now you can say it everywhere. You can say it on YouTube. You can say it on Instagram. I can say, I just said it in this podcast. So, yeah. We've come a long way. Or like when the doors were on Ed Sullivan 
And the people at Ed Sullivan said, look, boys, and they hated being called boys. You guys can't do hire. Why don't you do wire, fire? And they're like, okay. And um, so they did it anyway. You know, girl, we couldn't get much higher. And they got pissed and said, you'll never play the Ed Sullivan show again. And Jim Morrison in true rock fashion. Hey, man, we just did the Ed Sullivan show. We only wanted to do it once. Once is enough. And that's the magic of the doors for me. Because they did not want to compromise their artistic integrity. They didn't. They, they had complete control of what they were doing. And unfortunately, yes, like many, Jim Morrison succumbed to the excesses of rock and roll. Or maybe he was just tired. In those 27 years, what transpired? He became a star and he became a corpse in a bathtub. And it makes me think of, you know, we all, everyone says, you know, what is it? Neil Young, it's better to burn out than fade away. And even Neil Young says, even now he has trepidation about that. Because he's in his 70s. Most of the people that are his contemporaries are all gone. Many of them died at the age of 27. Robert Johnson, who kicked, started this whole movement of guitar and lyrics and um, mythology, died at 27. The Saturn return. Because your Saturn return comes and then you have to survive. You're given these, these tests, okay? Can you really make it to 30 without getting fucked up, without dying? And you think of there's a long list of people. And it's, and it's sad because you don't want to be part of that club. I don't think anyone wants it. The fact that that's a club, the Forever 27, is really sick. It really is. Because what that's doing is, is that it's making it seem cool when it's not cool. It's not. I don't think Amy Winehouse wanted to be part of the Forever 27 Club. I don't think she did. I really don't. I don't think Kurt Cobain wanted to be. Even his own mother said that to him. Don't be part of the 27 Club. And I mentioned Neil Young because Kurt Cobain... uh, A lot of that is conjecture because did... Did he really write that? No. That's my opinion. That's my question. But he said it's better to burn out than fade away. And Neil Young wanted to reach out to him even before all of that. So back to Jim Morrison. Just think if if he had lived, he'd probably be retired. He'd probably be painting. Probably would be writing poetry. That was his first love, was poetry. He was a born poet. And yeah, people, I think people take from his lyrics different things. 
I think that's the that's the that's the beauty of a true artist right there is people can misconstrue your words. Look at the Beatles with the White Album and and Helter Skelter and what happened. The end of the 60s. Or you look at Nirvana and the lyrics and people were always asking Kurt Cobain, what were you, what were you writing? It's not important, he says. It's, they're simplistic. He says they wanted to write them like they were children's songs so you could sing along. Okay. And so with The Doors, I, I think of my friend and former coworker, Richard, who died in, about five years ago. He didn't, I don't think he really liked The Doors. He said, oh, he wasn't a good poet. And I was just kind of like, there were moments where I have to hold back. It's like, okay, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. But there is something... To me, the doors are like putting on a warm jacket. A really cool warm jacket in the rain. And that music just... It just glides. Or you're in the car and you put on L.A. Woman. I've done that. Or uh, Backdoor Man. And you just glide. That's the power of the doors. And we're about to enter July. And for 51 years, Jim Morrison has been gone longer than he was alive. He would probably be 79 by now. Or he would, this year he would have turned 79. Next year he would have turned 80. You think of his contemporaries who are still here, like Mick Jagger, who's going to be 80, Keith Richards. Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney just turned 80. Okay. So we all have those bands. As I'm talking about this, I hear Spanish Caravan in my head. Because the way that lyrically it just goes. And then he had that voice. So the, when someone like Linda Ronstadt doesn't like that voice, it's like, oh, okay. You, you, a, a little bit of you does die because you're thinking, you don't like Jim Morrison? But that, hey, a lot of people don't like The Doors. I've met a lot of people who don't like The Doors and a lot of people who love them. I think people have this wrong assumption that The Doors are this drug-fueled band... They're talking about evil. Well, they're talking about the light and the dark. And yes, drugs were involved. I think drugs are involved with most of the music from the 60s. Bob Dylan knows a thing or two about that. The Beatles know a thing or two about that. So at the end of the day, what these songs mean to us, what the mis- the mysticism, there is a mysticism to the sound of the doors because it's so timeless. They made that first album 55 years ago in 1967. And then they put out the second album months later. Okay. And Break On Through, Break On Through was the first single to come out and it was not as successful as Light My Fire. But I've always... I I love Break On Through. 
what a way to start off an album. What a way to jump start this band. And then that and then that organ solo that Ray Manzarek does, which is so bewitching. And so that's rock and roll right there. That really is grabbing them by the balls. And you feel Jim's spirit frolicking and jumping about as as he's singing that song. And it builds. And then he says, you know, she get, she get. Because at that time you couldn't say hi. And and I think years later I heard it where she's like, he's like, she get high. Because they restored it. There was a lot of bullshit back then. A lot of censorship. A lot of things that you couldn't say or do. And here we are. It's 2022. <laughs> so yes, I thought this would, you know... There, there is a cinematic vibe to The Doors also. Because Jim Morrison and Ray Manzarek met in the film department of UCLA. A lot of people don't know that. But the true Doors aficionados do. In fact, The Doors made their videos. They made the video for Unknown Soldier. They made the video for Break On Through. Jim made a lot of short films. And so the magic and the vibe and the mystique of the doors is with the film, and it always is. And to, for the end of time, the end will be synonymous with, think of it, I'm going to paint the picture for you. you we all hear the uh, choppers, hear those choppers. And then you hear Robbie Krieger's guitar in a sitar-like fashion. And then you hear, this is the end. And that's how Apocalypse Now opens. And the Doors at that time had agreed on that. That Francis Ford Coppola could use any song that he wanted in Apocalypse Now. And he only used one song. And that was the end. And so... The end has a different life to so many. So many see it as a magical incantation, the Oedipus complex, the blue bus is calling us. Come on. The West is the best. Everyone knows that. And those also associated it with Apocalypse Now. Heart of Darkness right there. And the Surviving Doors, they did a really beautiful interview with Dan Rather. And it was, that that basically, I was not alive in the 60s, but from what I noticed, that was the 60s right there. You had Dan Rather, who not only lived it, but went over to Vietnam to cover the war at that time. And then you have The Doors, and Dan Rather said there were two types of music that the Vietnam, uh, the soldiers in Vietnam were listening to, the American soldiers, country music and the doors. Because they were going through hell over there. And that's the end, beautiful friend. 
And so for for that to really open a film about the Vietnam War and about all of this darkness with the boom, the flames coming out of the jungle, that really is the end right there. And their songs are... I mean, they, they wrote a song called 20th Century Fox. Come on. What's, what's more cinematic than that? Or Riders on the Storm. Oh, God. That song. Crystal Ship. Crystal Ship is such an epic song. And if you all get a chance... YouTube, Ray Manzarek playing an instrumental version of Crystal Ship. And it is so beautiful. And that's why it's not just about Jim Morrison. It's about Jim, Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, and John Densmore. And as always, unpleasant dreams.